Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Harvey Levin here. Jason Beckerman. Okay, we're going to start with Camille Vasquez. Our favorite lawyer. Our favorite lawyer who um, is just taken the legal community by storm. And Hollywood, actually. So she has gotten, uh, you know, we broke this story today. So many offers. I mean, you and I talked about this, that there's this was a star turn for her. And law firms all over the country, big law firms are courting her now. She's getting flooded with clients who want uh, them to represent her. She's getting offers from Hollywood, which we can talk about in a minute, I think is a really bad idea for her. Oh, interesting. Like a really, Coming from you, that's an interesting statement. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you okay. why in a minute. Okay. But, um, I, you know, I, I just think that, you know, this is, this is a Johnny Cochran moment for her. Yeah, I mean, she's the most famous lawyer in the world right now, and she is wow. going to... <laughs> is there another one that comes close? Um, You? <laughs> no, and I mean, you know, I'm thinking right now, and I mean, if you said, you know, who's the lawyer of the moment, people would say Camille Vasquez. I think you're right. And I just think that, you know, obviously she's getting all this these, this attention because her notoriety brings with it a certain potential for cashing in, not just for herself, obviously, and she should, and she seems to be heading in that direction, but for the law firms that get her, that she is a, she is what we call a whale. She is a rainmaker. She can bring in clients that others just simply can't get. I mean, the the truth is she is an incredibly successful uh, individual, incredibly talented lawyer. Uh, She's also a woman, and there is always a push to get women at the highest ranks of law firms. Uh, Clients like to uh, have uh, women attorneys who are leading their charge for them. She brings the entire package to the table, and, you know, everybody recognizes that. And I think that she, you know, the question is, how does she cash in on that? I'm interested to hear your why she should turn Hollywood down. Okay, but, we'll do that. And then you can give me shit on Bill Maher. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay. So um, she's getting offers from production companies. She's getting offers from media companies. Look, being a talking head on some cable network to me is beneath her. Mm. I mean, what kind of, that's not really... No, that would be about getting as much money for as little work as possible. Well, but it's like, how much money are you going to get yeah, for it? Right. And, you know, you're you're one of a hundred talking heads. Yep. And that's uh, that, to me, is not the right move for her. In terms of a production company, the people are offering her, you know, talking about giving her her own production company. She doesn't have the experience in that yet. Right. And you don't want to jump in at that level and fail. Right. I mean, look, the Obamas are having trouble right now. Yeah. They had trouble with Spotify. And they have a lot. They have a Harry lot. and Megan. Harry and Megan. They're yeah. all you know. Even with a team behind them, yeah. unless you have a lot of experience in production, it's not just oh, I'll be a producer. Right. You just can't do that. Right. And people may hand her short term money to do things. That's but right. It's not long term. I think. And look to me, the 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 move for her. She may want to write a book, which is great. But the move for her is to excel 
in her profession. Yep. She seems to love it. She excels at it. She'll make a lot of money at it, and she'll have an impact. And along the way, if she wants to learn the ropes of Hollywood, she can do that. Yep. You don't jump in right now at that level. I actually couldn't agree more. I think that she has a real expertise and a real field, that, and she can exploit her fame to make that even grander and get more clients and the whole thing. But if she jumps into a world where they're going to throw short-term money at her, if she fails, you know, Hollywood will chew you up, right? If you fail right. the first couple times through and that'll be it. And then she'll have to go back to the law firms, not in quite the same position that she's in now. But I do, it does bring me to what we were just talking okay, about. Okay, well, we'll get into the shit-eating moment right now. Let's listen to what Bill Maher <laughs> said on Friday night. One thing the Johnny Depp trial proved, it's that in this world, you got to have a good lawyer. I won't rehash the gory details of the case, but there were some bad stumbles on this side. While conversely, thanks to Camille Vasquez, Johnny's name has been cleared, if not his bloodstream. <laughs> Point being, you need a good representative in court, which made me think, where else does that term representative come up? Oh yeah, Congress. Okay. I want to get into what he said. I, I, look, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I love Bill Maher. I think yeah. he's the smartest man on on television, yeah. on any black platform. I just think he is so incredibly smart and is not afraid to speak his mind. Those are two very separate things. Yeah. And when you have a combination of both, he's just, you know, to me, he is the guy that I want to listen to. And so I think the idea that he is saying that Congress should take a, to take a cue from Camille Vasquez. And, his, and I think his point, and I had never thought of this before, but it was such a good point. He's saying, look, you are representatives. You're representing constituents, and you've stopped doing that. You're representing causes that don't connect with your constituents, and you are advocates for your constituents. And that's why he's saying Democrats are having a real tough time right now. And I thought it was such a an insightful point. But to use Camille Vasquez as the gold standard yeah. for representation, I thought was a big deal. I don't disagree with anything that you've said. He's an incredibly smart man, and I think that his point about Camille Vasquez and comparing her to representatives in Washington is a good one, but you went too far. Do you think? Yeah, I heard you, I heard you this morning say to a television audience, you said that Camille Vasquez, her crowning moment in this entire thing, her crowning achievement was being called out by Bill Maher for her success. So you listen to my live shot this in Atlanta. Is a woman, this, this, is a woman, this is a woman who has won a trial that, by all accounts, we all thought she was going to lose I going in. No. Oh, Johnny Depp, remember. When I we thought it was going to be 0-0. Zero, zero. Well, all right, fair enough. But, well, okay, so she he exceeded her expectations largely because of Camille Vasquez. She has been accredited for the victory. She has been, she has potentially made herself into a multi-multi-millionaire but her crowning achievement is that Bill Maher thought she did a really good job. What's your point? <laughs> I just, I, you, your love for Bill Maher knows no bounds. Well, I just think it was a, it was high praise. It was high praise. Oh, that's for sure. It is high praise indeed. And, and accurate. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, no, no, no. Do you think, I think he was accurate. I think his point that Congress needs to represent their constituents is a really insightful one, and I don't think it's been discussed before. But what Bill Maher is doing, I mean, look, a lot of Democrats are 
you know, they're they're blanching at everything he says because they think that he's a Republican now. He's a Democrat. Right. Bill Maher wants Democrats to win. He's trying to help them with a roadmap because there are mistakes being made. And even within the Democratic Party, they're saying mistakes are being made. So he's amplifying this and explaining it better than most. And that's why I thought the point, I, I think his point was really, really important on Friday night. I, I, what I like about Bill Maher the most, honestly, is that he holds both sides accountable yes. for their nonsense. And there's plenty of nonsense on the right, and there's plenty of nonsense on the left. And because he comes from a more leftist, left perspective, his targeting of the left seems more authentic, and I, I like it for the same reason. But reasons. I don't think he's targeting. I think, he, I think what he's doing is he's saying, look, you know, wake up. This is the way you're going to lose, and that's the way you're going to win. Yes. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Okay, um, so AOC over the weekend um, talked about... Um, Roe versus Wade, um, and and opened up and said that she had been raped in her you know earlier in her life. Now she said that she never had to deal with getting an abortion because it turned out she wasn't pregnant, but that was on the table. And now she worries that in and this is you know part of a you know a series of massive protests all over the country on both sides. Yeah. Um, or I shouldn't say protests on both sides because one side protests won and one side lost. Yeah, yeah, celebrations, of the celebrations right. of the right. Um, and so, you know, she is saying that you know, we looking at these laws where there are some states that aren't allowing exceptions for rape and incest. Um, that they are going to ban abortion altogether. The fear is now that they're going to ban the morning after pill. They're saying that if anybody even suggests to somebody you can go out of state, that person can be prosecuted, um, that a husband could be prosecuted for helping his wife go out of state to get an abortion, and on and on and on. Um, So here we are. Yeah. I myself, when I was about 22 or 23 years old, was raped while I was living here in New York City. I was completely alone. I felt completely alone. In fact, I felt so alone that I had to take a pregnancy test in a public bathroom in Midtown Manhattan. And while I sat there waiting for what the result would be, all I could think was, thank God I have at least a choice. Thank God I could at least have the freedom to choose my destiny. I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I've got some thoughts. Well, the first thing about AOC, you and I have had criticism for AOC in the past, um, but 
and here she got very emotional about this issue. I do think this is an issue about emotion. I, and I think that women bringing up their personal stories of rape, and in this case, she didn't become pregnant. Lots of women do as a result of rape. That does cause this issue potentially to be thought of in a different way. And I think that's important. So in this case, although we've had our criticism for her, in this case, I really do think that this is an important perspective from somebody that men and a lot of women don't have. And so so in that way, I think I think, I think it's that. really important. I do too. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that there is talk now about what do the Democrats do? Yep. And, you know, the options are court packing, um, th- passing a federal law, which I believe would require 60 votes, which they don't have, yep. um, basically legalizing abortion in all the states trying to get a constitutional amendment passed. Which would require which, two-thirds of both houses of, of Congress. Right. Which is never going to happen. So, right. you know, those are some of the options here. Um, you know, the, 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 the area where I've got a little bit of pause, where I take pause, is when people talk about, well, the court is now just political. Hmm. So many decisions of the court are political in the sense of, I think social justice on both sides is behind a lot of the decisions. When you look at like the Earl Warren court, you know, creating Miranda rights and all that, you know, that advances social justice. Yes. And, you know, you could call that politics as well. So it's not like it's anything new. Right. To me, the big thing here is... When you look at Brett Kavanaugh and you look at Neil Gorsuch and you listen to what they said in Congress, I think Susan Collins has a point. I think they did mislead. But what I wish is that if somebody had said once they said that Roe versus Wade is a super precedent, um, to ask them, what would the grounds be to overturn a super precedent? You don't have to get into row, but tell me what you think the grounds would be, because that might open that that might have opened that door to understand their feelings. But the way they spoke, and then the the ferocity of the opinion, yep. to me, there's some it's Dis- disingenuous disconnect. Yeah. Right? They, Not they, disconnect. Yeah, that they misled. They lo- they misled. They lied. They said what they needed to do. To I, get I really think they did. Right, because at the time, obviously, Republicans had a majority in Congress, but nevertheless, in the Senate, that confirmed them. But nevertheless, there were a couple of of Republicans, Susan Collins, most specifically, who said that she would not vote for a candidate who would not at least, uh, who, who was fervently anti-abortion. They said what they needed to do to placate her. The first decision comes along, and they go in the opposite direction. But the opposite direction, in a way, where they they didn't they didn't say that this is a close call. They never. Right. They just said Roe was they, ro- they, wrong John, from the start. Right. John Roberts gave him a central path in his con- in concurrence, and they abandoned that as well. They went with Alito's absolutist path, which frankly gives every state the ability to stop abortion, right. even at the moment of fertilization. So you know, people talk about this as a six to three decision. It wasn't. It was a five to four decision. Right. Um, just to clarify yep. for people, um, what Roberts said was invalidate or validate the Mississippi. Law Law, which uh, which um, basically allows abortions, but only for the first 15 weeks. Right. But don't go as far as overturning Roe versus Wade. And the other five said, no, we're going right. to do it. Exactly. And just the way it was written, the way Alito wrote it, what cl- you know, it's just, it was so, you know, preordained yep. that I, I just felt that Gorsuch 
and Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh lied. Yeah. I think they just lied. Yeah, going back to the point you initially made about the court becoming political, the court has always been this political. They are appointed by a political person, the President of the United States, with confirmation from political body, the Senate of the United States. They necessarily have a perspective going in. The idea that we're any, the court has been issuing divisive opinions that have upset half or more of the country since its inception. I mean, Brown versus Board of Education Jesus. is a political decision which, upset, which advances social justice. Right, but that upset probably far more than 50% of the country or 60% of the country, whatever this decision. I mean, it's just, to say it's political is, sure. You know. I, yeah, but I, it's throwing wet toilet paper at something. It doesn't really affect it. We will uh, move on, but I just want to, th there's a quote that I remember when I was a law student. One of the worst, dumbest justices on the U.S. Supreme Court in history, his name was McReynolds. Yep. But he said something that I have never forgotten when I read his one of his opinions. And I will translate this, but he said, an amorphous dummy, unspotted by human emotion, is an unbecoming receptacle for judicial power. And what he's saying is that, that there is a place for emotions and experience to play into these decisions, that it's not this slot machine theory of justice that you put the facts in, you put the law and you pull the lever and you get a result. You want a judge who feels something, who has emotion. Yeah. And that's why he said what he said. So what he's really saying is there's a virtue in judges who understand that. The issue here is that the way that these five justices understood it is a lot of people say is is an unsympathetic, um, yes. unempathetic view of society. And then there are people who support them who uh, who say, look, on religious grounds, this does advance. So you've got that, that you've got the same thing going on that we've seen. Yep. Throughout history. Yeah. And, and there's no way. This is just the times in which we are currently living. By the way, this decision for people who are upset and thinking, well, the court, it's a 6-3 majority. This, this majority, this conservative majority is going to be in place for a long, long time. Decades. Right? These justices are all very young. Yeah, you never know what happens to people. Well, that, you know, you never know what happens. That's true. But uh, as we saw, it's got to have, if the Democrats, if the left wants to take it over, it's got not only people have to obviously retire or pass away, but they have to be appointed by people who have an op opposite view. Right? Th this is a test for Biden because he, you know, the, the Democrats are now calling on him to do something. Now, the, yep. so what, what he does, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't do an executive order in something like this. No. So the, the pressure yeah. the pressure's on. Yeah, the pressure's on and it's tough for Biden. Uh, okay, we are going to move on to uh, Travis Scott. So, uh, you know, there were pictures that came out over the weekend of pr Travis in this $5.5 million, million dollar Bugatti. Yep. And it looked like he had just purchased it. And there were some people who were saying, look, you know, he's allowed to live his life. He's allowed to do what he wants to do. He's going on tour. He says he did nothing wrong, which, you know, he's got a case to make on that. But, you know, lawyers on the side of the victims who, were, who died or were injured at Astroworld, they got to be smelling blood in the water. So over the weekend, Travis's people said, you know, and, and we got this and put it up. He's had that Bugatti for two years. We had never seen it yeah. before. And he was showing it off. I think it's the same principle. Does it make a difference? Does it make think... a difference? The fact he rolls it out for the first time in public, right? You know, in the you're weekend. so rich, you, you you put it in your garage for two years. Worse, right? <laughs> you're so rich. You have so many multi-million dollar cars. This one was an afterthought. I'll just drive this one today. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe the statement. I'm not sure I believe the statement. I just don't think you know. This is a man who shows off the 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 luxuries that he has, and God bless him, he's earned them. No question about it. But 
and we haven't seen this car, and all of a sudden it comes out $5.5 million car, and the news story go to, goes around, and he starts to hear about how this might not be playing well. The PR team then gets involved and says, well, it's a couple years old. I, I just don't I just don't buy it. I got to tell you, I just don't but buy even it. But if, even if it is, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's... Yeah. You know, what What I have seen is that lawyers don't have control over their clients that's anymore. True. When you look at everything that's been going on, where they're doing interviews after, you know, yep. tragedies like this, Travis did an interview. Yep. It's like any lawyer would say, do not do right. this. I'll quit if you do this. Right. But they're all doing it. Their whole cue to fame is social media, right? And it's hard. You can't control your client when they're sitting at home in bed with their thumbs, you know, pecking away at the... This uh, is a different world. It is. It is a different world. It used to have to be you'd have a call a press conference or you'd talk to the media. Or you tell... Or the lawyer says, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do anything. Travis Scott's not going to be told to shut up. Um, Speaking of, Jesse Smollett shows up at the BET Awards (laughs) last night. And he uh, he does an interview, I believe, with Entertainment Tonight. And he says he's excited to be expanding his empire. Yeah. Well, he got dragged on social media for that. But again, it's it kind of ties into this whole thing. Jesse Smollett is appealing his conviction. Jesse Smollett, it faces another five plus months in prison and or jail. And he is out there saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And again, it's like, if I've learned anything over the last 17 years, just lay low for a while. You know, let things reset. But when there's a verdict on the heels of the verdict to go out like Amber Heard did. Right. You know, and, and you know, and, and, and Jesse Smollett is doing. It's like this is not the way to come back. Because all it does is people say he's a liar. I don't believe him. The jury just said it. Time cures a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, but at this point, isn't he, isn't he sort of pot committed? Initially, I, I think had initially he come out and said the right things about this. Like, I disagree with the verdict, but the jury has spoken. I'm going to respect that. I'm going to do my time. I'm going to come out, be better than ever. He didn't do that. He dug his heels in. At this point, even now to stay quiet almost means, almost suggests that he doesn't actually. He didn't have to go. If, if he didn't go to the BET Awards. Yeah. Or didn't say that. Um yeah. We wouldn't be talking about this right now. No, we we wouldn't. But he also got. I mean, there were people at the BET Awards who gave him a warm enough reception. I know in, in in large part there were a lot of people on Twitter that were destroying him for this and other places. But I think there are there is an element of support, and he's living in sort of you know an echo chamber at this point, right? He lives among people who tell him everything's okay, everything's okay, you, you're doing the right thing, and maybe he doesn't have the outside advisors to tell him there's another perspective on this thing. But I I don't know. I at this point, like I said, I think he's pot committed. If I'm him, I'm, I'm just go for it. You know, just go out there and profess God, my I, innocence. And and uh, and what people are eventually going to believe it? Well, you know, he's starting. He's expanding his empire. He says. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, the way he's going to expand it, he said, is his own projects as opposed to auditioning, which he said nobody's nobody's biting. Right. So look, he can do that, but you know, nothing succeeds like success. Yeah. And when you know, if Jesse Smollett doesn't say anything, and he does come up with a really good project, and it does really well. How many times have we seen? Singer comes out with a great song, people forget. Movie comes out, people forget. 
I mean, it's the... That's absolutely true. We have counted people out. So many times. Robert Downey Jr. To oh, my God. Drew Barrymore to a million other people who suffered, with, in those cases, addiction. And they get a hit. And they but they get a hit, and all of a sudden, they're, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is the most famous actor in the world, or one of them right now. Right. From where he came from 25 years ago, we never would have thought that was possible. And that's what he should be focusing on, and he shouldn't be out there yeah. trying to undo a verdict that most people believe was just. And that he has zero chance of undoing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you Wednesday. 